If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Good morning, folks. Welcome in. It is Live Bet Sunday. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Awesome show on tap for you today. Of course, we get ready for conference championship. I guess it's weekend, but it is the day itself. We get the AFC and NFC championship games coming up later today. we got a great guest of guests that are going to help us get through it. Austin Mock going to join us in 15 minutes from now. Betting analyst over at The Athletic. We'll get his thoughts. Austin, of course, great in terms of models and projections. So we'll get to his perspective on what we're going to see a little bit later today. And then we'll get some more of the traditional handicappers on here as well. Nate Jacobson, sports betting analyst over at Stadium. Vaughn Delzell is going to be with us as he usually is. And then the bottom of our second hour before we get to Brett Musburger and the countdown to kickoff, Brad Spielberger, pro football focus analyst, is going to join us. We get his thoughts on what we are going to see in the two championship games. And we'll get into the details as well. Get some matchups, get some player prop perspectives and bets to look at. Before we get into the games that are set to tip off, yes, it is a Sunday morning, so that means we get some Big Ten action. A little Big East sprinkled in there as well. Michigan, Penn State about to tip off. We'll give you the closing number there and as well what's going to happen in the Big East match between Villanova and Providence, but uh, I wanted to give you where we're at with these numbers when it comes to Conference Championship Weekend. Uh, right now, San Francisco on the road. This number steadily climbing. Philadelphia across the board a three-point favor with some altered juice over at BetMGM. Two and a half. If you want to lay the two and a half, you're laying a buck twenty. You want to take the two and a half, you're getting even money. As I mentioned, threes all across the board as well here. Total, this is starting to sink. It is now down to 45 and a half or 45, depending on where you like to look for your numbers. 
I am involved in this game. We'll get into the why a little bit later, but laid two earlier in the week. The Philadelphia Eagles also bet this thing under 46. Uh, and it is a game where I have a little bit more in uh, because our AFC championship game, which we get to now, Cincinnati on the road against Kansas City. Kansas City now upwards of a two-point favorite here, two and a half over at BetMGM, juice to the underdog side at minus 115. Total, 48.5 or 48. There's a lone 49 out there on the board as well. Um, I've just got more. I've got a future position here on Cincinnati. So this game, in terms of where my wages are at, or more about maneuvering and getting money uh, out of that future on the Cincinnati Bengals as opposed to what I actually feel, which is I like this Bengals team a lot. Uh, I do think that this is uh, the best team in the AFC. I think I really believe in this squad. It's why I've got this future position on them. But for the most part, uh, this bet that I have in here on Kansas City, more about maneuvering than it is about the actual uh, feelings that I have and handicapping of this game itself. But fascinating games nonetheless. Uh, where these end up closing is going to be even more fascinating, especially the AFC Championship game where the market was freaking out and overcorrecting for a numerous amount of reasons, including the ankle injury to Patrick Mahomes and, of course, the uh, result in Buffalo last weekend where the Cincinnati Bengals went in and pasted the Buffalo Bills. All right, with that, let's get to some closing numbers here as we are underway in Michigan and Penn State, and we're about to tip off between Villanova and Providence. We'll give you that really quickly. Providence is going to close here as about a one and a half point favorite with some altered juice over at BetMGM. Total, 138 and a half. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much across the board. There's also ones out there as well, depending on where you like to shop for your numbers. And Michigan, going to close as a four-point underdog on the road against Penn State. Total right now varying from 141.5 to 142. Um, I didn't have anything in the uh, early morning college basketball slate. We also have quite a few other games uh, that are set to tip off right now. Wichita State is going to close as a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road against East Carolina. That total at 131. That is the big mover of the morning. Very much worth pointing out here. Uh, Wichita State on the overnight in some spots was a one-point favorite with a total of 132, so a a three-and-a-half-point move in favor of Wichita State after we saw that first number appear on the overnight market. And coming up in about 10 minutes from now, we can get into this a little bit here. Michigan State on the road against Purdue. So this is a 9.15 a.m. Pacific time tip. Overnight lines had this at 8.5 in favor of Purdue. Total of 130. And that's pretty much where we're at right now. A static across the board when it comes to some of the line move. 8.5 with some alter juice over at BetMGM with a total of 130.5. Interesting matchup nonetheless because obviously we know that Purdue has uh, been playing some incredible basketball up to this year. Uh, Right now in Ken Palm rankings, the fourth best team in the country, the Boilermakers are. Uh, But a team that I think has clearly been a a little overvalued, sorry, uh, by the betting market. It shows in some of the results. Purdue, if you look at it, 4-9-2 against the spread uh, in their last. I've got that at, what, 16 games? My math is not great. Uh, No, 15 games. Um, So this has been a team that the market has really believed in from a rating standpoint, but the results haven't been there. You can even look at the Ken Palm projections for this matchup. Ken Palm has this projected as a 10-point victory for the Boilermakers, uh, and yet the market's still sitting here at 8.5. So maybe you're starting to see some adjustment. You can get a little bit of that when you're kind of uh, looking at the way that Ken Palm projects some of these games and contrasting it and comparing it with the betting market, right? Because the betting market, let's let's just face it, it does like these Ken Palm numbers and it does reflect a lot of what we see there. So when you see a little bit of a discrepancy, it does give you an idea of where the betters are actually making their own adjustments on some of these lines. So you get that indication here. Projection of 10 points by a KP, but this thing at 8.5. From a matchup standpoint, 
it is going to be a, a pretty fun game. Not like an overly up and down and back and forth affair. Purdue coming into this game 332nd in the country in terms of tempo. Michigan State coming in at 309th. So you're not expecting uh, sprints up and down the court between these two clubs. Uh, but when it comes to an actual matchup, and especially since what we've seen uh, in conference play, what's really going to matter here overall is Michigan State defensively and how they match up with the Boilermakers. Because since they have gotten into Big Ten play, Michigan State has been playing pretty good basketball on the defensive end of the floor. 98.6, their defensive rating, an effective field goal percentage defensively that leads the Big Ten at this point right now at 46% allowed. Uh, And they have been great on the glass. And that's going to be something that's big here. This is the best offensive rebounding team in the conference in Purdue, now taking on the best defensive rebounding team in the conference in Michigan State. And rebounding is not sexy, uh, but it's a very important stat when it comes to, of course, limiting second-chance opportunities, which Purdue likes to grab, of course, grabbing 37.1% of their missed shot attempts. So Michigan State and winning the battle on the glass is going to be something massive, and if there is a team that can disrupt that, it does seem, at least statistically, that the Spartans would be able to do that. They're also great at limiting the three-point shot. They've only allowed Big Ten opponents, Michigan State, uh, to shoot 28.5% from beyond the arc. So this is going to be pretty fascinating to watch in terms of just some of those like tiny little battles, right? And I think the market is getting this right, not allowing this to kind of get up to that 10 mark that you might see or just kind of sticking here at 8, 8.5 and, you know, there's some eight and a half starting to pop. So there is some support here, but it doesn't look like overwhelming support for the Boilermakers. But I would think that what Michigan State, and what we've seen them do so far this year on the glass is going to be something that works in their favor. Now, the problem for Michigan State and what they run into here is while defensively, I do think that they can match up somewhat well with Purdue. We should also mention the gap here. Uh, Purdue's offensive rating in Big Ten play has been incredible. 110.6 is insane, especially when you talk about the way that the uh, Big Ten plays overall in terms of basketball. Uh, But the reason I bring this up is Purdue defensively, right, seems to have a matchup that really works in their favor. As good as Michigan State has been on the defensive end of the floor and they're rebounding this year, against Big Ten opponents, their offense has completely disappeared. 102 is their offensive rating in Big Ten play. That's ninth best, according to Ken Palm. They're not getting to the free throw line. Second worst free throw rate among Big Ten teams, the Michigan State Spartans. So they're not getting to the free throw line to get the easy buckets. And while they shoot pretty well, Uh, outside in Big Ten play, 37.1% from beyond the arc for Michigan State. They are not getting the free throw line, and they really don't have any interior presence. How about this? Against Big Ten opponents this year, Michigan State shooting just 47.1% from two-point range or inside the arc. That's atrocious. So you're not getting the free throw line. You're not getting the easy buckets, and that doesn't allow your offense to really thrive if you're reliant on perimeter shooting. So if those shots aren't falling, well, then you're going to get into a little bit of a rough spot here, especially against a Purdue defense, which has been pretty sound uh, along the perimeter. They're actually only allowing opponents from beyond the arc to shoot 32.7% this year. And if you're going to get those guys off their spots, force them into long range twos or force them into the basket where they're not really you know strong in terms of finishing within four feet, it does seem that Purdue's defense is going to have a pretty good day here. So overall, didn't have a play. If Michigan State could come out, shoot the ball really well, then this is going to be a game where they're going to be very competitive. But that's going to be something to watch is whether or not they can do that. And the last point here that I wanted to make in terms of what we're going to watch here coming up in a little bit and through the course of Live Bets uh, Sunday as we get ready for Conference Championship Weekend is the turnovers. The one thing that Purdue has been bothered by since they have gotten into conference play, because on the season it's not too bad in terms of their offensive turnover rate, uh, but that has kind of uh, spiked here a little bit in conference play. 18.7% of their uh, 
offensive possessions in conference play have ended in a turnover Purdue. So that is going to be something to monitor as we kind of move forward uh, against some of these opponents, especially Michigan State and whether or not they can force those turnovers. Michigan State, not really great at forcing them themselves in terms of defensive turnover rate on the season, 14.7%. That's 352nd in the country. So maybe that doesn't pop up here. But turnovers lead to easy buckets, lead to fast break opportunities. And uh, when given the opportunity, Michigan State can get out there and score. They just don't do it that often. So overall, I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited to watch this game. I haven't watched a lot of Purdue so far this year. Uh, Michigan State is a team that I think we've seen little flashes here and there that maybe they can play a little bit tighter. That, of course, goes back to their home matchup with Purdue where they only lost uh, by one point. There was a 60, what, 64 or 63 final against the Boilermakers. And some of these losses have been some tough luck losses for a Michigan State team that overall has been pretty competitive against, uh, we'll call it like a somewhat soft schedule, especially from like the beginning of December all the way through the start of conference play. But it's going to be freaking awesome. We'll keep track of those as we move along. All right, some quick score updates, and then we'll get to, on the other side, Austin Mock, get our first in-depth analysis of what we're going to see in the NFC and AFC championship games a little bit later today. So we will go over... Uh, real quick, 12-4 start for Wichita State. I know there's a lot of people who are interested. They're taking on East Carolina here. Um, everybody has their interest, so we don't want to put that uh, on the back burner and not update anybody on what's happening. But 14:37 left to go in the first. Villanova off to a solid start, 11-6 with those 14:37 uh, left in that first half over Providence uh, in this spot. Villanova, too, should note. Kind of a disappointing year so far. Has not really been even consistently delivering against the spread. So we'll see if maybe at home against this Providence team, which hit a little bit of a speed bump with back-to-back losses, if they can get this done as a short fa- or a short underdog. But 11-6, to the early score there. And uh, as I mentioned, that 12-4 lead for Wichita State, 16-15 left to go in the first. And an identical 11-6 to score for Penn State, who leads Michigan 15-29 left to go in the first. So we'll take our break here. On the other side, I can't wait to talk to Austin about some of these projections um, and what he thought about this week because I think it was pretty clear. The market was really freaking out. For anybody who wanted to get involved, which if you're watching the show, you wanted to get involved, whatever you thought, you should have had the opportunity to get the best number available to maximize what you wanted in this AFC championship game. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Austin factors in the ankle injury for Patrick Mahomes, what it means for the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs, and if Cincinnati, as much as I love them, are being overvalued by the betting market because of the injury and taking down the darling Buffalo Bills. We'll get to that more when we come back here on Live Bet Sunday. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media. 
as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge, VSEN's experts got you covered. You can become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. Special introductory price of $9.99. Get access to the best betting talent in the game. Only VSEN Pro subscribers get everything we do to make you a better sports better. That includes a lot pro tools, pro picks, pro tips, and more. Visit VSEN.com slash subscribe today. Sign up for only $9.99. Become part of the sports betting network family. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. I like talking about sports scenarios, which we were talking about off the uh, off the air. Austin Mock, actually, this is a good question. Austin Mock is uh, nice enough to give us some time here today, as he has been regularly over the last few weeks. Betting analyst over the Athletic. So you're you're you know you're a stat model guy. We I, my buddy Adam Hill, who works for Las Vegas Review Journal, brings this up all the time. You know, if you were running a, an NFL team, right, and there was a guy out there that you knew that he wouldn't do anything else for you, but he was guaranteed every time you gave him the ball. To get you one yard, guaranteed, hundred percent, would he be valuable enough to keep on an NFL roster? Oh man, that's tough. Um, right? I, I feel like it's close, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you just never have to punt on fourth and one, right? Um, even if you're at your own, you know, nine yard line or something like that. So uh, yeah, no, I, I, 
think it might be value. See? All right. There you go. For gold, there you go. Gold to go situations. If you're ever on the one, you know exactly. Hey, let's give it to this guy. He's going to give it to us. Uh, all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to see today. So let's start with the AFC Championship game. It's obviously the most interesting because of what transpired throughout the week. So I'm very interested in your perspective as a guy who does what he does, right, with the models and the projections. How did you handle or how do you handle an injury of Patrick Mahomes' nature where you don't know the percentage, right? I always make the joke he doesn't have the street fighter bar of health above his head where we can gauge exactly how healthy he is. So what do you do in terms of do you watch the grainy Zepruder film of him jogging around the practice facility? Do you watch him come off of the podium? Did you actually get into that and adjust your numbers? How would you handle the week? Yeah, it, it was interesting, right? Because the, the Monday was like trending the other way. It was like yep. he might not play. Um, you know, we got up to Bengals minus two and a half. I think we might have saw something touch three somewhere out there. But uh, yeah, I, I was watching the videos, trying to gauge everything. You know, it's funny you bring up the health bar. That's kind of my process in a way of, you know, like one first, it's how likely is he to play? Uh, you know, because this is an injury that people miss time on. So it's like, okay, is he 50% to play the game? So then I'm incorporating 50% of uh, him starting versus Chad Henney. Uh, and then the next step further is, you know, are you getting 75% Patrick Mahomes? You know, I don't think anybody thinks we're getting 100% Patrick Mahomes today. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of guessing, you know, patchwork, guessing check and everything and, and talking with people that I, that I trust. And yes, I was watching the videos <laughs> and trying to guess from my own personal, like, is he walking fine? Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's tough to do. And, and we saw the market, uh, the market thought it was tough as well because it's been bouncing around from two and a half, uh, you know, on both sides of zero. Yep. By the way, so like we have all these sharp betters and minds out there. Like, I, I, somebody was trying to tell me during the week, like, oh, no, it wasn't the film. Like these smart, these sharp betters came in. Yeah. Oh, the sharp money just happened to come in the second that footage came out, right? Like, oh, it was just a total coincidence that that's when the market started to move. You can miss me on that. They saw the video and they got excited and they went in. It was also a market overreaction. So this is, I'm really curious too, as you look at it from this perspective of Mahomes, because there's a fact of, okay, he's not 100% healthy. None of these guys are, but altering his health in terms of how you have like his level of play right it also doesn't consider the fact that it's a change of game plan like okay so maybe he's not going to be as mobile maybe he's not going to be throwing out of the pocket well Andy Reid's a pretty good offensive coach this offense can still be pretty efficient they just have to change the way that they play so maybe it's an overreaction again to kind of like overvalue this injury right because the game plan just changes and maybe they're just going to be still as effective maybe there's a couple of percentage of points that are off but this could still be a pretty efficient offense for Kansas City yeah, Andy Reid and you know Eric Bieniemy uh, when they're drawing up the game plan for this week, they they know better than anybody, uh, you know how Patrick Mahomes' ankle it feels, how how what he what he is able to do, um, and so I agree, they're able to tailor their game plan to you know what they're seeing at practice this week and how he's able to move. On the flip side of that, the Bengals like it's kind of hard to game plan on a defensive side because yep. it's like okay, we still have to game plan for the. Uh, you know, the the Chiefs that we know from all season, the the, the 100% healthy Patrick Mahomes, uh, but also maybe there's not as much, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about the mobile part of his. We don't have to game plan for that. And then all of a sudden, if Mahomes is healthier than, than they realize, then they're at a disadvantage. So, uh, yeah, I do. Th that This is a little bit different than like last week's game where the injury happens in the middle of the game and, and you don't have the game plan uh, worked in the second half. I know the offense was good at times in the second half, but thawed out a lot. So, I definitely think, uh, you know, I think Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they'll, they'll have a good game plan because they know, you know, what Patrick Mahomes, what his status really is.
Yeah, and it's a great point too because I, I like a lot of the guy what the guys do over at Pro Football Focus and on their podcast. They were talking about like the intricacies of pass rushing, right? And like you know, usually Patrick Mahomes when he's fully healthy, he'll actually drop a little too far back in the pocket. You, you're not supposed to do that, but he's so good at it. So pass rushers have adjusted and started to run upfield a little bit more. Well, now you can't do that if he's going to be more pocket based. Like there's all those like little kind of intricacies in these matches you don't really think of. I'm fascinated by. All right, so then we'll just ask you. So how'd you handle it, and what's your projection in terms of a number here, uh, given everything that we know? about this game and also you know the Cincinnati aspect which is yeah I keep bringing this up too Austin when I talk about it those offensive line injuries that everyone was freaking out about last week are still there so like there's still these little things with the Cincinnati Bengals that the market has kind of forgotten about with everything we've seen in your adjustments what does this number come out to yeah I make it about minus two um and and part of me subjectively like again I disclaimer I I I don't know uh it's tough this number is way I, I this is still a big not a big adjustment but I would have this number over three with 100% Patrick Mahomes, so it's it's a pretty you know significant one um, that I'm making. And and again, I don't know if it, it's correct. Well, time will tell. I, I've been telling people all week this game for me was going to be a uh, you know look and see, and kind of similar to the Bengals last week with their offensive line. Like you kind of knew from early on in that game that the offensive line was going to be fine, whether it was the conditions or whatever. Um, You'll know, wait and see. Watch the first drive or two with Patrick Mahomes. Is he moving around fine? Is he limping on handoffs? I, you know, I don't know. I think that that's my target for this game is kind of see how Mahomes looks and then uh, go from there from a live betting standpoint. I think that's the uh, the safer way to go about this one. Well, would that be the same thing with uh, player props too? Right, like in terms of projecting what this might look like for some of these individual players, things change. Like a Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's more of a deep threat. Right, like it might be a somewhat poor game for him if there is actually no strength in that ankle and Mahomes can't drive it downfield. Yep, yeah, it, it's, that's going to be one of those things, and, and the Bengals will adjust to that. If the Bengals see that Mahomes is not able to move very well, they're gonna, you know, they're probably gonna just sit back and, and they might do this anyway, but sit back and, and make him kind of dink and dunk his way through because, hey, he, if he, if he can't, that might be their original game plan, but if he can't throw deep, maybe they go a little bit more of you know single high looks to where. Hey, we're going to make sure he can't beat us on the the five ten yard throws because that's really all he can uh, can drive into with that ankle. All right, let's go to the NFC Championship game. Uh, this total is starting to drop. We're seeing forty five and a halfs out there. A couple of forty fives are starting to flash as well. But for you uh, for the matchup here between the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles, are so I, I think you like this game over, right? So you're going to sit back and wait to see how this bottoms out and then come in before kickoff. Yeah, you know, I got some 45s right, uh, literally right before I dropped, uh, hopped on the show here. Um, I think it's too. I, I think that we're going too far. You know, typical thing before kick. Sometimes the the numbers get a little crazy uh, right before kick, and uh, I, I think both teams can move the ball. Um, I think the the 49ers are are going up against Jalen Hurts. I don't think they've really faced the quarterback of that level. They've struggled against QB designed runs. They've struggled against scrambles this year. Um, that's what we've seen Eagles do this year where they've just kind of like, I always say they suffocated people because of that they like, Oh, Hey, we have them in third and six. Let's get a stop. And then, Oh, Jalen hurt scrambles for a first down. And then it's like, Oh, we have to stop this machine again on person 10. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough task for the Niners with their, uh, you know, struggles against the QB designed runs on the flip side. I, I think Kyle Shanahan's going to have a, a, you know, a good game plan and, and he's going to put Brock Purdy in, in decent situations. So I'm a little nervous because Shanahan can get very conservative. We kind of saw that last week in the first half against the Cowboys. But uh, if if they're able to get the ball to the playmakers, I think uh, the 49ers can score. And the 49ers have a fantastic uh, run defense. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, against teams with really good run defenses this year, they have thrown a ton 
that also bodes well for the over as well. So at 40, 45, I think it's uh, I think it's worth a play. Last 90 seconds here with Austin Mock of The Athletic. Uh, from a numbers perspective, we saw this open up one and a half. We're getting to threes now across the board. Where did you have this from a side span, uh, standpoint? Yeah, I had this at, at two, two and a half. Okay. Um, I, 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 it's subjectively, I, I like the Eagles in this matchup because Hertz, I think, is is kind of the X factor for what I said when talking about the over there. Um, I, I just, it's one of those things. Sometimes I, I joke with some friends that sometimes it's just like who has the better quarterback. I think it comes down to, to sometimes I think it comes down to how like that easy. And I think Jalen Hurts can make some more plays than uh, Brock Purdy here. Uh, and, and the Eagles, are just, they're just so good in short yardage. We're talking about that fourth and one, you know, automatic play. And that's kind of what they have with this Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, QB sneak. And they've kind of had some fun with uh, some jet sweeps off of that as well. So I, I think the Eagles, uh, I, I, I like this matchup for them. I think they win. Amok419 up on Twitter. Austin Mock analyst, a betting analyst, I should say, over the athletic. Austin, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. Good luck today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good luck to you as well. Yep, you got it, man. Appreciate it as always. I like it. We'll have to come back. We'll have more on this because uh, I've got some uh, a little bit more on a lot of these games, obviously. We haven't gotten to a ton of the details. Uh, but one of the things that I mentioned, that's the other fascinating aspect about this, is not overvaluing what you saw last, uh, right? And we'll get into this with Nate Jacobson when we come back, too. You know, everybody was freaking out about the Bengals' offensive line, for example. Everybody thinks everything's all right, but maybe the environment actually helped them out last week. So we'll talk about that more in details. We'll roll on here on Live Bet Sunday. You heard it. Welcome back into Live Bet Sunday. Going through everything in terms of conference championship. I keep saying weekend, but it's Sunday. So conference championship day uh, as we have the AFC and NFC matchups coming up later tonight. Uh, Let's talk with Nate Jacobson, sports betting analyst over at Stadium. Nice enough to give us some time today. But before we get into this week, uh, I'm told from above I have to bring this up, pour some salt in the wound. Uh, We discussed the Brett Maher uh, prop that was put up last week. Some shops opened up yes plus 250 with with no no available to some bettors. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, did you book this for your your uh, your coworkers, your cohorts out there? What happened? Yeah, I offered it around the office because okay. that plus 200 or plus 250 was talked about, I think, at a book here in Illinois, but they didn't offer a no. So I figured that's a uh, that's a bad number. And I'll uh, I'll give people a boosted price of plus 300. So okay. I have minus 300 on the no. And I know places in Vegas opened up minus 700 on the no. So I thought. Yep. I was in with a great bet. Plus, I didn't think the Cowboys were going to score many touch- touchdowns, maybe one or two. So I figured if you know Maher can kick one or two extra points for 33 yards, it's a great bet. And sure enough, uh, we're reading the uh, pregame tweets that he uh, is struggling and Jerry Jones comes on the field to give him a pep talk. I started getting a little nervous. And as soon as the Cowboys scored a touchdown, I was I was pretty nervous. I wasn't feeling too good about it, even though I maybe had a great bet. And sure enough, the block field goal and uh, I could have just walked in the office Monday and paid my friends, but uh, I decided to Venmo I'm right away. So oh. uh, tough bet, uh, tough break, I guess, but uh, a bet I would make 10 times out of 10. I you guess. didn't like uh, freeze out their accounts and like send them like I saw, you know, it's uh, we're talking about it. We've sent it up to for decision making. We'll get back to you in 30 to 90 business days. No, I just wanted okay. to uh, get it over with. And uh, before even anyone texted me about it, just say I'm going to pay up like a man. Wow. Look at that. I had to hunt down my fantasy football commissioner for money. So, uh, and I won the league. 
Mm, you're a good man. You're a good man. All right, let's talk Appreciate a little it. bit. <laughs> let's talk about some of these games today. Um, let's go NFC Championship game first: San Francisco and um, Philadelphia. So this number has moved. We saw this open up one and a half. We are now starting to see threes appear. Bet MGM's got two and a half. Some alter juice at minus one twenty. Um, in terms of the opening number, the line move, and where we're at now, you think the market is getting this right and driving this up to like a, you know a juiced three, a juiced two and a half, or a juiced three if you want to take the underdog side. Yeah, I don't really think it's right, but I understand it. The Eagles looked so good last week against the Giants. Uh, just, you know, right away, Jalen Hurts looked 100%, and that was kind of the big question that game. But I also expected the Eagles to play well in the game just because I didn't think the Giants were that good. Uh, back in the regular season meeting, the Eagles uh, in New Jersey closed minus 7.5, so I thought it was kind of a cheap price to get the Eagles at at minus seven and a half in a home playoff game off the bye where they were able to get healthy. So I didn't really change my opinion too much on the Eagles or, or bump them up too much in my ratings. And then on the other side, the 49ers won, but they didn't really look too convincing. It was a really poor first half from San Francisco, I thought. And the Dak Prescott interceptions kept them in the game. And then the second half, they kind of used their run game to dominate. So I get why the line moved up just because there's a lot of recency bias from what we saw last. But if this game was played last week before those results, I think this line would be a pick them. So I think mm -hmm. there's actually line value on the 49ers here. I'd make a case for them at plus two and a half. And then now there's some plus threes like minus 120. I think I'd have to get plus three minus 110 to get involved uh, in this game because I like a another bet in this game, which kind of correlates to uh, some of my handicap of the game. But I, I do think that uh, if you're betting the Eagles now, you're definitely not getting the best of it just because of what we saw last from Philly. So uh, one of the bets that I have here, and it does tie in a little bit to what you're talking about, but I think you're, you're only going first half. I bet the game under 46, and uh, I pretty much think when you look at these two clubs, I think defensively both teams are very sound uh, in their different ways. I think you're talking about two teams that want to run the ball with some effectiveness. San Francisco has that game plan out there that we saw the Washington Commanders use against Philly, which was about time possession and grinding to get out on the ground. I bet this game for the game under, but you're going first half, correct? Yes, I do agree with your thought on, on the full game under, but I'm just going first half just in case there's some crazy stuff at the mm -hmm. end in the end game like we see sometimes in the NFL. Uh, the main thing here and the reason I'm off or not going to bet the 49ers unless you get a, a plus three minus 110 is just some of the concern about Brock Purdy, who's had kind of a favorable schedule of defenses he's faced in his seven starts going seven and zero. He's also had five home games. The only road games were at Seattle and at Las Vegas. So this is a totally new setting for Purdy at Philly NFC title game against a, a defense that is probably better than the defense he saw last week at Dallas, which was the best defense he saw year to date. So a little bit of concern about Purdy. And if I'm a little down on Purdy in this game, it leads to the 49ers scoring less. I also not sure about Jalen Hurts fully being 100%. I know he looked good against the Giants last week, but he wasn't asked to do too much. And the 49ers have a really good defense. So I think the defenses get the better of the offenses, especially early on. And also another part of this handicap, Kyle Shanahan, he's kind of fine in these situations, kicking field goals on fourth and short from like 40 yards. He's a reliable field goal kicker, especially in the playoffs. And Robbie Gold, we saw last week when they kicked kind of two short field goals uh, or short uh, field goals on short yardage situations, fourth and short. So I think Shanahan would be okay with kind of playing this game close and, and conservative. And I guess you could make a case that even the full game under might be better just because the 49ers defense has played better in the second half of games, making adjustments 
with defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. I just know this Fort Eagles offense probably better than some of these offense the 49ers have played. So I saw Saturday the uh, screen flickered a uh, 45 and a half. So feel uh, pretty okay about that bet, just getting the best of it. I saw before the show at MGM, there was a, you can still go under 23 in the first half and minus 120. I think that's a fine bet. Uh, by the way, for those who are, I don't know, not in Las Vegas area, uh, you were talking about the three minus 110. If you do want to go and back the San Francisco 49ers, South Point does not alter the juice at all. They're always at minus 110, and they are at three. So t- South Point tip of the strip, a spot where you can get that number. Uh, all right, let's go to the AFC Championship game. So you and I actually are both in agreement on this one uh, before, and I would assume you got in on this early uh, because early in the week when the market was favoring Cincinnati, there's a couple of markets that offer three-way lines in the first half. So I got a small plus price on Chiefs uh, money line in the first half. It's like plus 103 or plus 104, whatever it is. Uh, but I figured one, this is going to move the other way. And if there's not going to be, if there's going to be a moment in this game, Nate, where the ankle doesn't bother Patrick Mahomes, I would assume it's early when it's the treatment has worked out for him, whatever they have given him in terms of, you know, medication is actually kicking in here. And on top of that, not putting as much on it. And that's going to wear as he puts more weight, cuts on it more, moves on it more in the second half. So all of those factored into me playing the money line in the first half. And you did the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. The Mahomes just kind of being healthiest early on in the game. If he gets a, a pain injecting shot uh, to relieve some of the pain, I'd want to bet on him to do well early in this game and the Chiefs to do well early in this game. Also, there's the fact that the Chiefs had, had have had success in the first half against the Bengals in the two meetings last year, the Week 17 regular season game. They're out, out to a 14-point lead. It's an 11-point lead at halftime. Bengals make the defensive adjustments, win that game. And then pretty much a year ago to the day, AFC title game, Chiefs were up 21-3 to late yep. in the second quarter. And then the Bengals score a touchdown. The Chiefs have a blunder at the goal line. And then they fail to score a touchdown the rest of the game, and the Bengals win in overtime. So I like the fact that the Chiefs have had some success against a defense they're familiar with, getting out to a lead with the fact that Mahomes is probably going to be looking his best at that time. I did bet the Chiefs plus half on Wednesday morning when I saw maybe some of the the numbers of, of Bengals minus two and a half get bet down to minus one and a half, and some of the whispers that Mahomes was actually okay and, and for sure going to play and might not be as, as injured as some people think. So I got in on the Chiefs first half on Wednesday. I'd still bet the money line minus 120. I, I like that better than minus half just in case the half it goes to half tied and then you kind of get that security of getting your money back if it is tied at halftime so yeah Mahomes being healthy early in the game the Chiefs first half success against the Bengals last year and then the AFC championship game about a year ago and then also the Chiefs defense I think they really step up here knowing that Mahomes has bailed them out so many times in the last few years maybe it's their time to help out a quarterback who might be compromised and the Chiefs defense I think can do a little bit better than the Bills did in terms of pass rush against the Bengals offensive line. Still down three starters, which was all the talk last week when we were previewing the game. But because the Bengals offensive line held up well in the snow, I think it's kind of been a forgotten point that there's still an offensive line below league average with those injuries. So everything lines up for the Chiefs to be leading at at least at the first half. I also do like them for the game. Don't feel the need to go there just because I have enough on the first half and uh, see what it goes. I do like the Chiefs, though, in this game if you're just playing – full game money line or spread. Yeah, the um, 
The point about the offensive line is one that I was going to hit on a little bit later in the show, which is everything to your point, right? The snow actually kind of worked against the home team last week, and it got to cover yeah. up some of those issues. Uh, if you are somebody who thought that was going to be a problem, that doesn't just go away here uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs, who've got some pretty strong talent along their own front. Nate, uh, we are up against it, but we appreciate some time today. Thank you very much, and especially good luck to you because you and I are in lockstep on a couple of these things. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Good luck today. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Uh, I wished Austin good luck, but since he bet that game over, I'm, I don't know if I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm there for the full, like, really full-throated wish of good luck there. All right, some home cooking for Purdue. Uh, this is unacceptable. A 19-13 uh, lead for the Boilermakers uh, right now. 10:08 left to go. Make that 19-15. All right, we're getting some, uh, we're getting some pushback here from the Michigan State Spartans. We'll update the scores around the board, uh, including in this Big Ten match between Penn State and Michigan, because Penn State showed up, uh, but so far Michigan has not. We'll give you college basketball scoreboard updates, and we'll take a look in depth on the NFC Championship game when we return. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Bet Sunday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any pro football game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in free bets up to $25. Log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season long. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion, then place a one-game parlay wager of four legs or more on any pro football game. If you miss only one leg on your wager, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Awards issued is not withdrawable for Free bets for site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Some scoreboard updates really quickly before we get back to the National Football League. We have some Big Ten, Big East, and um, other matchups. We'll go. Uh, I'm sorry, but you know, two teams that are... Um, I don't know, what are they, 2-6 and six and 3-5 and five in conference play? Wichita State and East Carolina doesn't really move the needle for me, but Wichita State is up 41-25 to 25 with about 3.15 left to go in the first half here. They're on the road against the Pirates. In-game line, 14.5 in favor of Wichita State with a total of 145.5. Uh, so there we go. We did the update. Uh, we have done our due diligence. Let's go to the Big East. Providence on the road against Villanova. 23rd-ranked Friars uh, in a little bit of a jam. Not really big. A 31-28 score right now. 1.7 left to go in the first half uh, against Villanova. Two-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Wildcats. Total of 133-and-a-half. Uh, no real move either way in a big fashion. Uh, remember, this was a, a one-point spread in favor of Providence at close. So Villanova now favored. But again, when you're talking about a one-point spread pre-flop, not a massive swing here to get two and a half in favor of Villanova in-game, who only leads by three. Let's go to the Big Ten matchup here um, between Purdue and Michigan State. Okay, I got thrown off for a second. So I don't know what happened there. I read Michigan, and I was like, Michigan Michigan State's down 49-32. No, that's Michigan. Uh, Michigan is down. 49-32. 49-32. Sorry to throw our crew into a, a little bit of a tizzy there. I wanted to update that really quickly because we are at the break. Penn State leads 16, uh, 49-32. They are, for the full game, a 16.5-point favorite. 157.5 the total right now. Not gone well for Michigan defensively. Penn State shooting 61.3% from the floor. 
52.9% from three-point range. We know that Penn State will shoot the ball, but how about this 9 of 17 to start in this matchup from a three-point range for Penn State? And uh, I would say this, watching just here and there, it's not like I've had my eye on Thea for every single possession, but watching some of the possessions for Penn State, these are not tightly contested three-point shots that just be happen to go down. This ball movement has been great for the Nittany Lions. They have been finding open shooters, and Michigan just getting absolutely blasted right now of their own accord. Uh, they're playing fine on offense, not shooting the ball very well, 4-13 from three-point range, but if they're going to continue to give up non-contested looks or lightly contested looks from three, I don't know really that much is going to change here in the second half for, for Penn State other than hoping for maybe some shooting regression, and that's really kind of a dangerous game to play if you're just playing and thinking, of course they'll cool down. Now they're going to get wide open shots. So Penn State right now early on uh, in that halftime uh, period as it just got started, Penn State 49, Michigan 30. We'll go over with this Purdue-Michigan State matchup. This has been a fun one so far. Uh, Michigan State looked like maybe. I think the biggest gap was what? Correct me if I'm wrong. 10 points for Michigan State in this matchup, uh, but came clawing back into this 24-17. The football score now, 625 left to go in the first half. Turnovers, a little bit of the story here. Uh, Michigan State with the uh, the edge in turnovers in terms of they're turning it over more. Uh, not something you want to do. And they've been doing a relatively decent job on the boards here against the, the Boilermakers and doing a relatively decent job in uh, what you can here, at least you would say, against uh, Zach Eady. Right now, six points for Eady, uh, but he is three of five from the floor, only two rebounds, and uh, one of them on the offensive side and only two offensive rebounds so far for Purdue. But 24-17, the score here, 553 left to go in the first. From an in-game standpoint right now, uh, correction, 26-17. It is a 12.5-point spread in favor of Purdue with a total of 131.5. So it's been a fun game. Uh, and it has been a lot more competitive than it looked like essentially it was going to be. Also worth noting that if you can force a couple of turnovers, Michigan State has gotten some fast break opportunities off of turnovers. So if they can, should probably try to get some of those as it does look like this is going to be a Purdue turnover, I believe. But we'll double check. Might be uh, some free throw attempts coming up, actually. Yep, it's a foul. All right, let's go to the NFC Championship game. And uh, talk about what we're seeing right now. So they are threes painted across the board, as we've discussed throughout this uh, show so far in the first hour. Two and a half is the number over at BetMGM. You are laying minus 120 if you want to lay two and a half. To give you an idea, though, of where the market is at overall, um, the South Point out here in Las Vegas does not alter the juice, right? They are at minus 110. And sometimes, at least out here in Vegas, it's a good indicator to kind of look at that number to see what's going to happen. And the South Point, you know, again, it, there are sharp bettors out there who shop these nut markets. And if they wanted to take three at minus 110, uh, they can go ahead and grab it if it's available. South Point has not moved yet. Uh, so they are at that full three. There's another spot out here in Vegas that's at a full three as well. South Circle where I'm sitting is at two, uh, three minus 120 on the dog side. And you see this two and a half minus 120 to the favorite side over at BetMGM. So this is pretty much where we're going to sit, it looks like, up until kickoff. And maybe some of these shops that are at uh, two, or excuse me, the full three go back down to two and a half as they do not alter the juice. But I don't think this is entirely surprising. Uh, this is uh, a game that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I did lay two with the Philadelphia Eagles. I tried about one and a half, but moved on me as I was going to bed. So I laid two with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, believing that they are a little bit undervalued here in this spot against the San Francisco team that, as we discussed last week, right, and I think Nate Jacobson is the one that brought this up. Had they played last week, this was going to be pick, even San Francisco minus one. We talked about that, right? It was, uh, I think it was Jeff Benson who tweeted out his, what he calls the off the hip numbers for openers next week. He had this at pick or San Francisco minus one. And Brent Musburger and I were both sitting in here looking at each other like, you know, what? that's a number that uh, might be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles there if that is going to be the case. 
Uh, look, this Philly team, from a defensive standpoint, is going to present, I think, some interesting wrinkles for Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers to face up against, right? Yes, you can run the ball somewhat effectively against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Now, what's interesting is San Francisco, they can run the ball very effectively, but it is about the way they design their rushing attack as opposed to like smash mouth, hard nose, like just get downhill style of football, right? What you expect and what you think of when it comes to um, running attacks. Not so much the case for San Francisco. Again, it's about designing the blocking schemes and some of these attacks that this offensive line gets at the line of scrimmage that opens up holes for them. So maybe that changes things. But from a pass defense standpoint is what I'm really interested in because you go from a matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, you're facing a little bit more man, to a Philadelphia Eagles team that's going to throw a little bit more, actually I'd say a lot more zone at you. Uh, What Brock Purdy does in terms of his decision-making is going to be pretty fascinating here. Purdy's been pretty average over these two playoff games against the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, he threw three touchdowns. Uh, Not a lot of work was done on his end when it came to those touchdowns. PFF passing grade of 67.3 against Seattle in that wild card round. And last week, while the passing grade got a little bit better, overall, he wasn't very effective. An overall PFF grade of 67.7 for Purdy, just 214 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt. Uh, That was a little bit more of an ugly game. And so now when you get this change of scheme that you're going to face as Purdy, if you're going to get a team that's got multiple guys who could pressure the quarterback the way that the Philadelphia Eagles can, it is going to be really fascinating to see what this looks like for Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers because this is their stiffest test that they faced up to this point without question. Last week it was as well. We saw how the offense kind of sputtered. And to give Purdy some credit... Last few drives, he was great in terms of finding everything he needed to. But what's been interesting about watching him is, and this is not taking away from what he has done, it's really clear that this offensive scheme, as we've kind of talked about quite a bit, has set him up for success. Purdy, you could say, if you look at it and go, man, the last four games, five games, he hasn't committed a single turnover worthy of play, which is really true. But if you watch what he's actually asked to do as a quarterback, these are some really well-drawn-up and schemed plays where there aren't tight windows that you really have to throw into as a quarterback. It might change here against a team that plays zone as much as the Philadelphia Eagles do. And against the Philadelphia Eagles team that when you look at it from a pass-rushing standpoint, the Eagles have, let me count this really quick, they have three guys who had a pass-rushing grade, according to Pro Football Focus, of over 90 This is a really good pass rushing team. You also have, let me double check the total numbers here, you've got three guys who have total pressures of 50 or more, and you've got five total guys with 42 uh, more pressures, and two of those in terms of 42 pressures of 47, um, but really it's about Fletcher Cox, are interior guys. Like There are so many different things that the Eagles can do defensively that I think Purdy and the 49ers might have a little bit more trouble with here that I think that is one side of this coin, right? It's the fact that this Eagles defense is going to provide a lot more challenge to the San Francisco 49ers, playing into, again, the aspect that I think that maybe this Philadelphia Eagles team uh, is being a little undervalued. Now, we'll go to, and we'll get more in the second hour on this in terms of Philly's offense and what it means, because for me, one of the big things about watching last week was just the health of Jalen Hurts and their willingness, the Eagle staff, that is, to run him a little bit in terms of designed runs and whatnot. And you saw a little bit that uh, from Jalen Hurts. It wasn't his best game ever, but you did see some designed runs for him. Not as many as you'd like, so we'll see if maybe another week off or get week to get ready and right, we'll see if maybe you see a little bit more out of here. But San Francisco, 
has shown its cracks defensively, and we'll get to some of those matchups and what we saw in some of those matchups, and maybe the Eagles can exploit those too. But overall, I think that this uh, Eagles team is a little undervalued, so I like them defensively. Obviously, bet the minus two, bet this game under the total. We'll have more on that as we move along into the second hour. Speaking of the second hour, Von Delzell, NBC Sports, and Brad Spielberger, PFF, have yet to join us, and they'll do that when we come back in about 15 minutes. Vaughn's going to be with us here on Live That Sunday. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.